Well, as we continue to worship together, we want to spend a moment together in prayer. Uh, Every year, um, across all of our campuses, we take these two Sundays in particular. We do it throughout the year as well, but with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend this week and then next week, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, We always want to pause in these moments and cry out to God. So let's let's do that uh, together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you this week as we remember the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., We praise you for the qualities that shaped his life for a strong sense of justice that regarded all people as bearing your image and having dignity in your eyes, for an unshakable belief in love and peace that would not permit him to turn to violence in order to achieve his dreams, and for a commitment to sacrifice and an ultimate trust in you. We also thank you for all those throughout history who have struggled for biblical justice and for those who continue in his legacy. Bless the work of their hands. Father, we also recognize the need for repentance for things done and things left undone, for things that we are aware of and for those things committed in ignorance. Forgive our blindness to the plight of our brothers and sisters, and forgive us for the times when we were silent when we should have spoken up. Christ Jesus, examine our hearts. Search us and know us, and if you find any false way in us, remove it. Lord, continue to renew our minds and open our eyes. Help us to be ambassadors of your truth and humility and grace and love. And Holy Spirit, we need your empowerment. We pray that generations do not pass on patterns of racial partiality, division, and hatred. Instead, we pray that generations of your sons and daughters would work hard to break these cycles, knowing that in you our labor is not in vain. Lord, give us wisdom to move forward in justice, peace, love, respect, seeing every person as a bearer of your image. Holy and blessed, glorious Trinity, have mercy on us. And now as we open your word this morning, would you teach us? Show us who you are and reveal once again your heart for those we so easily ignore or discard. And extend to us your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, imagine having the opportunity to have dinner with one of your heroes. Somebody you you deeply admire and respect. You get to have an evening at your house with them, talk about anything you want. They really like press and, like, who would you, who would you choose? Patrick Mahomes, Tom Hanks, J.K. Rowling, Taylor Swift, Martin Luther King Jr. Or maybe, maybe you'd pick uh, some business leader, Elon Musk or you know, Jeff Bezos. That could be interesting, right? Uh, for, for me, for me, no question. Okay, you, you figure out your person. Uh, for me, no question. Okay, it's the late Johnny Cash. You know that already. Uh, that's, that's who it'd be, a close a uh, group of family and friends, not too big, right, in the house, a leisurely dinner, and an intimate concert afterwards, right? That's, that's the dream, right? But think about it. So any person in the world, you have your person in mind. You have that person. Now, now imagine it with me. The day finally comes, and you're, you're excited, you're nervous, like you've you got all these feelings, right? And finally, your house is already full because nobody is late to this party, right? And you see them pull up. And there he or she is standing at your door. You just, you can't even, you can't even believe it, right? 
And, and again, like at, at first you're, you were nervous, maybe even a little afraid. It's like it's going to be awkward and comfortable. What are we going to say? But it's like it feels so natural. You're also you're also pretty afraid that you were going to scream like you were at a boy band concert. You know, uh, you didn't do that, so that's that's good, right? Everything everything it's going it's going really well. In fact, you're still in awe of this person, but you can't believe how comfortable they're making you feel, right? It's like you're old friends. And so already, you know, you press in, you start asking some good questions, and they start telling stories. You sit down at dinner, you're sitting, seated right next to the, the guest of honor uh, in this space, and it just, I mean, it's just, it's going incredible, right? This is, this is the best day, right? It's the best day. Later on, of course, is the, the quiet concert. Plays through your favorite album. It's pretty great, guys. It's a good day. It's a good day. Well, it's getting, it's getting towards the end of the evening, when, when all of a sudden you notice somebody coming down your hall, back into the room, with kind of a, a worried look on their face. You're a little, you're a little concerned, right? Because it's been a perfect night. And, and you, you overhear them whispering something to somebody else, but you can't, you can't quite make out what they're saying, right? So, but you, you know there's, there's an issue. Your honored guest does hear. You can tell because he or she gets up and starts talking with these whispering people over in the corner. And then, then you hear them, Patrick Mahomes or Taylor Swift or Johnny Cash, you hear them say, it's no problem, I'll take care of it. No, seriously, I don't mind. I'm happy to do it. So now you're like seriously intrigued and confused, right? And, and a little bit worried. And, and you see them, your honored guests, walk off down, down the hall. And so you pause for a minute and you're like, ah, I gotta go. And so you, you follow them down the hall, you turn right, and there, there you find it. You, can't, you cannot believe what you're seeing. There they are, in your bathroom, plunger in one hand, and Lysol wipes in the other. Like, plunging your toilet, cleaning your bathroom in your house. Like, what do you, what do, you do in that moment? Like, what, what's going through your mind in this I'd, I'd be absolutely horrified. I'd be mortified. I'd quickly, like, I'd grab it out of their hands. I'd say, no, please, just go back to the party. Please, would you, would you do that? That's, like, best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, I would be like, hey, is this some publicity stunt, right? Am I going to end up on TikTok or something later on? Is, like, nobody's that nice. Am I just being used? Because nobody does this. Nobody acts like that. This is not what we expect of our heroes, our leaders, our politicians. This is not how people use. We wouldn't even expect people to use their fame or fortune or power in this way. In fact, what we expect is quite the opposite, right? And we're so used to stories of scandal, mistreatment, abuse, self-promotion. This kind of thing does not happen. Nobody's that nice. Hold that thought. And stand with me for the reading of God's word, would you? Would you stand with me? So our scripture, our scripture today is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll skip down to the end uh, at 34 and 35. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper... 
When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And then skip down to verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So imagine Jesus at your house with a plunger. Because actually, this is, this is worse than that. Washing, washing someone's feet in the first century was a job only reserved for the lowest of low. In fact, only for non-Jewish slaves. No self-respecting Jew. More, more or less, a rabbi, right? A teacher would even consider doing such a thing. And we, we hear this story, and it's like, yeah, but it's such a nice story, right? It's, it's, it's great. Jesus does this. It's, it's awesome. Like, we think that, but they wouldn't have thought that. In fact, humility was not considered a virtue in the first century. Like, don't, don't miss that. The reason we value humility in our culture today, the reason we admire selfless acts of love today is because of the influence that Jesus had on our modern world. Like, it started with him, right? And so when he's doing this in this moment, they have no category for this. It's worse than Taylor Swift with the plunger, right? This is, this is degrading, it's appalling, it's unthinkable. Jesus, what are you thinking? And he's not just some celebrity. He's the king of the universe. So the question we have to wrestle with today is how do we respond to a foot-washing king? How do, we, how do we respond to a king who washes feet? Okay, so we're in, we're in John 13, but hold, hold up a second, because if you're engaged in our daily uh, formed life devotion, you might be a little bit confused. It's like, wait a second, how, how did we get here so quick? So we actually, we skipped one week ahead, uh, just, just for today here at Olathe. We'll go back at the end of chapter 12 last week. It's a little bit confusing, so sorry, sorry about that. Uh, this will allow us to have one of our campus pastors, Andrew Jones, is going to be with us next week here uh, in Olathe. We're actually going to do this a couple times throughout this series where we'll just hop around just a tiny, tiny bit uh, in order to have all of our campus pastors here at some point this, this winter. So hopefully that makes sense if you're following along there. Uh, it, yeah, hopefully it's okay. So, so here we are, John 13, John 13. Okay, and it's already, this means it's already Thursday uh, of Jesus' final week. And so even as you set the stage for this in your imagination, like, uh, later on tonight, he'll be arrested. He'll be betrayed, right, denied, he'll have a mock trial, and then tomorrow afternoon he's going to be crucified. So there's not much time left, and if you're looking, you're like, man, there's a lot of John. It's because Jesus has a lot of teaching to his disciples in that last evening together. But it all begins with this story, with Jesus washing their feet. 
And John, he wants us to recognize the weight of this moment, right? John was there. Keep, keep it like he saw all of this. He didn't just hear about it. Like he had his own feet washed by Jesus, right? And so go back, go back again to verse, verse 1. Let me read it again. He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, so that phrase, he loved them to the end, that's important. I think what, what, what John is doing there, he's cueing us in to like, this is at the heart of this story. It begins with love and it ends with that commandment that we ought to love like Jesus loves. Does that make sense? And so everything, everything in this story is about this idea of love, and Jesus is going to show us what that means. What does, what does it look like? for us to love, how we as his followers are to be known for our love. So verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now, now you got to stop, stop there, because John does not want us to miss this. He says it a few times, right? That Jesus knows everything about what's happening in this moment. He's not confused. He's not, he's not off guard, right? He, he knows that he's nearing his death. He knows that Judas, one of his closest friends, is going to betray him. He knows that. He, he also knows that the Father, right, God in heaven, has given all things into his hands. Right? Given him authority. That he, he's the king. Jesus knows that he is the rightful king over all of creation. He knows that. He, he also knows that he came from God and that he's going back to God. Are you following that? John is like, he's going over the top and saying, Jesus knows exactly who he is. And even so, knowing all of that, verse 4, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Again, this is worse than cleaning a stranger's bathroom at a dinner party. This is a task only reserved for the lowest of the low. You wouldn't even associate with the person whose job this was. But it was necessary. I mean, somebody had to do it, right? Can you imagine the smell in this room? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be silly here, but have you ever, like, worn sandals just, like, a little bit too long? It's not great, people. It's pretty nasty, isn't it? And this is, this is all they wore. They walked everywhere. They, they didn't shower. Like, this was a necessary task. It's disgusting, right? There's no way around it, which is why Peter, he's so shocked. He's like, Lord, like, gross. You would wash my feet? Peter, actually, he refuses, too. Like, verse 8, like, as the story continues, we haven't read that part yet. He said, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered back, he said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. It means you're not, you're not part of my people, basically. And so immediately, like, Peter, he backpedals, right? He said, well, then wash all of me, he said. He like, goes, goes to the extremes, like, then clean all of my bathrooms, basically, right? It's like, do whatever it takes. Because what, what is happening here is, is Jesus is doing more here than just washing feet. It's not less than that. But it is more, right? He's showing us symbolically that we need to be washed of our sins. That he came to purify, to cleanse, right? To, to, to redeem us, right? And so what do, we, what do we do with a king who washes feet? Well, the first thing is we let him wash our feet. Like, we, we let him do that. 
right? Let the king serve you. Let Jesus serve you is the idea. And that, that's, that's hard, right? That's, that's hard for Peter, clearly, to say, okay, the king of the universe, I'm going to let him serve me. It's hard to do. For Peter, maybe it's a sense of shame because he, he knows how dirty his feet are. It's gross, right? And if we're honest, we know that our souls are dirtier still, right? And so there's, there's this temptation, I think, for many of us. Like, we want to hold back. Like, Jesus, I don't, I don't want you in that space. I don't want you to see all the things. Like, I'm too ashamed. Let me, let me clean myself up just a little bit, and then, and then you can wash me. So it could be shame. It could be pride for Peter. I mean, Peter could just simply be thinking, he's like, I wouldn't do that, so how could I possibly let Jesus wash my feet? But if you don't let him serve you, you'll have no part with him. And so Peter, he relents, right? And so what, what, about, what about us? Have we let him wash us clean? Even the worst parts, the stuff we wish nobody would ever know or see, even our heavy, dirty souls. Jesus wants to serve you. And the reality is, before we can serve him, we have to let him serve us. So we, we, we let him. Go, go back to the story. Go back to the story. So he, so he washes our feet, right? Now, now that it's done, he explains that he expects something from us. Actually, three things that we'll see. Verse, verse 14. This is Jesus talking. He says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And so you, if you've been washed by Jesus, if you've allowed him to serve you, there are three things now that he expects from us. Three things. First... Our foot-washing king expects us also to choose the low places. Choose the low places. This is probably the most obvious, right? Jesus serves them in the most humiliating ways. It's absolutely humiliating. And then he turns to us, his disciples, and says, okay, now it's, now it's your turn. Go, go and do likewise. Now it's your turn. And have we, I mean, church, have we missed this? Like the fundamental job description of a Christian, service. The posture is humility, and the lifestyle is one of sacrifice. And I, I know how easy it is to say, I've, I've done it as well, to say, it's like, well, if I, if I enjoy it, I'll, I'll serve in that area. Or if I feel gifted or called or appreciated, somebody pats me on the back, and if I have time, right, if I feel like it, then I'll, then I'll serve. We've all probably said that. And I... I understand that temptation, but do we realize, even in those moments, how self-centered that is? I will serve if. It's ultimately about us, right? And what Jesus shows us here is that we don't, we don't serve when we feel like it, or, or even only when we're gifted for it, or feel called to it. We serve when there's a need. Like, period. If it needs to be done, we do it. Even in the lowest places. Because this is, this is what Jesus did for us. Uh, this, is, this is actually, it's one of my annual speeches uh, with our new pastoral residents. So when we, when we come on staff, uh, we, just, we just welcome to. So I just gave this speech like 
two weeks ago, I think. Uh, so we welcome, yeah, th- you can see all of our residents. We have uh, Dakota and Caleb there in their second year, and then Johnny Daigle uh, just started at our Shawnee campus, and Nidiaris uh, just started at our downtown campus, just, just January 1st. So they're brand new, you know, fresh here and eager to go and all of that. And for those of you who don't know, the pastoral residency, it's like this is a thing we've been doing for a long time. We're kind of a teaching hospital at Christ Community. Uh, so they graduated from seminary, they come here for two years, uh, we get to mentor them, give them opportunities to serve, and help, help them grow and equip them, and then we send them out to be pastors all across the country. It's incredible, it's one of my favorite things about our church, uh, we can only do that because of your generosity, and so thank you, it is such, it is such a joy. But, so, uh, I, always, I always tell every year, and this is good for me, because I need this reminder as well, okay? Um, in my first meeting with them, first meeting, one of the things I say is, just, I'm very, very blunt, I said, there are going to be times in your job, when you're going to have to make the coffee or tidy a restroom or take out the trash. And maybe even like times when you have to plunge a toilet or clean up vomit. Uh, But I tell them, I was like, I want to be really clear that that's not because you're a resident, right? That's not because like you're the lowest on the totem pole. Like that's not how we view them. That's not how we treat them. That's not, that's not true. So I just want to make it clear. Like that's not because of that. It's simply because you're a pastor. And that's just part of, like, anything that needs to be done is on our job description. And so if it needs to be done, we, we do it. And I, I love this because a, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, actually, one of the residents corrected me. So I always add this part of the story. I love this. I love this. Uh, he immediately said when I, when I kind of gave my speech, he immediately followed up, Nathan, we don't serve like that because we're pastors. We serve like that because we're Christians. It's like, oh, yeah. I love it. I mean, schooled by a resident, right? Right there in that space. But I, I love that, right? That's exactly right. If you want to know what it looks like to be a Christian, if like, if what is it you want to imagine a Christian? The first thing that ought to come to our minds in many ways is Jesus on his hands and knees with a basin and towel doing the lowest job imaginable. That's what it looks like, full stop. And if we're not doing that, we're not following So who's, whose feet are you washing? And who are you serving humbly, sacrificially? And ho- hopefully, like, you're already beginning to brainstorm a little bit. Okay, who are the people that you should be doing this for, right? And so instantly for me, it's like, well, I, sh- I should certainly do this for Kelly. I should do this for my kids, my neighbors. I should do this for my colleagues at work, the people who uh, I lead. I should, I should do it for all of these folks, right? And, and, and absolutely, if that's where your mind is going, that's absolutely right. You, should, you have to start there. It's got to begin there. If you're not doing it in those places, you won't do it anywhere else. And so start with the people closest to you. But go back to the story, because it's not quite as easy as that. As if that's easy, right? I know it's not easy. But go back, go back to the story, because notice how much chapter 13 talks about Judas. Right? He's right there at the beginning. Uh, later on in chapter 13, we didn't even read this part. There's a whole section kind of devoted to, to Judas, this interaction that Jesus and Judas have together. And so John, like, he, he's making it very, he wants us to know Judas is part of this story, that Jesus washes Judas's feet. And he's already made it clear that Jesus knows exactly what Judas is about to do. And it's not even just Judas, because the chapter ends then with, with Jesus basically telling Peter, like, basically, it was like, hey, it's great I washed your feet and all, um, and your faith is so hot. Like, we're all very impressed, Peter. Uh, but I just want you to know, Peter, later on tonight, like, later on tonight, your feet will still be clean. And you're going to deny that you even know who I am three times. So that's, that's how this chapter ends, right? 
And so sure, wash, wash the feet of the people you like, right? Serve them well. But if you think that's all that it means to be a Christian, we're kidding ourselves. Because our foot-washing king expects us also to do this for our least favorite people. To love our least favorites. That's the second thing. Whoever those least favorites are, that's who Jesus has in mind for you and for me. Because even just think about that for a second. Jesus and Peter, let's start with Peter. Jesus serves Peter, right? Washes his feet, who denies him. It's not, as, it's not as bad as Judas, right? It's not. We'll talk about Judas in a second, too. But what a colossal disappointment that must have been. Because Peter and, and Jesus, I mean, they are tight. They've been close friends, working together in this way for three years, and Peter pretends that he doesn't even know who Jesus is, denies that he knows him. And I just want to ask, do you have any disappointing people in your life? Probably. That hurts, doesn't it? And then you add Judas into the mix. They've also been together for that same length of time. And Judas conspires with Jesus' enemies to destroy him. To crucify him. And even just think about that for a moment. Does anything hurt worse than betrayal? I thought about that this week a little bit and working on this. Is like there anything worse? Because betrayal, betrayal can only happen by somebody who's close to you, right? And strangers hurt us, right? They, they hurt us all the time, but that feels different. Right? Betrayal is someone who, who you're intimate with, right? It's a, it's a spouse, it's a parent, it's a child, it's a, it's a colleague or a classmate, a teammate. It's a friend, right? Somebody you counted on. It's the people you thought were going to treat you differently. And then in a moment of vulnerability, they shove a knife in your back. Jesus washes their feet for both of them. What is he asking us to do? What is he asking you to do? Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I don't blame you. Maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, but Nathan, nobody, nobody does this, right? Nobody, nobody lives like this. Nobody actually serves and loves like this. Our world just doesn't work that way, right? No, you're... You're not wrong, right? I think that's why this story builds to what Jesus says in verse 34 and 35. And why Jesus even calls it a new commandment. Because it's not new. Because it's not new at all. And yet he calls it a new commandment. But I think that's why. Because it's so shocking after what he's just done. Right? Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Which leads to our third thing, our last thing. Our foot-washing king expects us to show the world something brand new. Something shocking, something unheard of, right? A love, a love like this. Because again, on the one hand, like, there's nothing new here. Like, our God has always commanded his people to love. And our God has always loved us in this way. He's always been a serving God to us as his people. But we have a new picture here of his love, and we're commanded to do likewise. The the, the defining characteristic of the Christian should be our love. A a love like this. It's not our our theology that should define us. It's not that it's unimportant. It's not the defining characteristic. It's not how right we think we are. It's not our morals, our politics, or our t-shirts. 
It's not even our, our Sunday services or our church buildings. We should be known by our love. And again, Jesus defines that love with this incredible picture of what he does as a basin and towel of humble service, even to those who would deny us and betray us. Because that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. For you, for me, right? This is why Jesus goes to the cross. To wash us clean of our guilt and shame, even though we continue to deny him and betray him, don't we? Even so, he loves us like this. So let, let him wash you. Let him serve you. And then, let's join him in doing the same. Because when we do, and I mean, just think about the impact that this can have. In fact, social historians point this out. There's, there's uh, several incredible resources on this. I can recommend a couple if you wanted to read more. Could point out that this is one of the primary reasons why the Christian movement grew so fast in the midst of such hostility and persecution. It's because they actually did this. They actually loved each other like this across ethnic lines, across socioeconomic lines, even towards their enemies, loving those who were persecuting them. And it literally changed our world. What could it do today? What could it do in your home, in your office, at your school, in your neighborhood? What could it do at our church? Last week, uh, I heard, heard a story from one of our pastors about our, uh, a couple families at our downtown campus. They said we could share this. They gave us permission. I, just, I love this story. So it's about a couple uh, who brand new to Christ community, new to Kansas City, uh, with an adopted daughter. Uh, and so just recently, the birth parents reached out uh, to this family uh, to say that they were pregnant again and to ask if they wanted to uh, take the baby. Uh, and they were due next week, is what they said. Uh, so it was like, okay, that's, that's shocking enough in that moment. It was like, oh, ne- like in next week, okay. Uh, but what, what complicated matters for this family is that, they, again, they just moved to Kansas City. They just started new jobs. They didn't have any, any paid time off at all. Uh, and they're trying to think, they both work, trying to think, how could, how could they possibly make this work financially, right? And, and so they, yes, of course, they said yes, right? But they decided that one of them was going to have to take three months off. Uh, and without pay, and they were just going to figure it out, right? They, just, they didn't know, but they knew, they knew what Jesus was asking them to do in that moment. They had no idea how it was going to work, but they knew what they had to do, so they stepped out in faith. And then, again, I love this. Like, then another family at the downtown campus heard about it, and anonymously, like, they don't want any, any credit, any, any pats on the back, right? Uh, anonymously paid three months of their mortgage, uh, so that this family wouldn't have the pressure, the added burden, right? In order simply to love this family and this child they were welcoming into their home. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so how do we, how do we respond to a foot-washing king like that? God help us, right? Let's pray. Well, go ahead, go ahead and close your eyes. But before I pray, and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, let's take just a moment and just imagine for a moment, take a moment, take a deep breath, and just imagine Jesus washing your feet right now. And ask yourself, is there anything that you're holding back from him? Just let him serve you for a moment. And while he's doing that, 
Go ahead and ask him. Say, Jesus, whose feet am I supposed to be washing? Who am I supposed to be sacrificing for in a way like this? Lord Jesus, our our king who washes feet, we're so grateful that you have come, that you have served us, even to the point of your own death, in order to, to truly, truly wash us clean, even in our deepest, darkest places, to offer us forgiveness and freedom from our shame and regret. Wash us now, we pray. And would you also show us, empower us by your spirit and show us how and who and when we can be doing this for others. God, give us the courage to serve well, to love well, to die to ourselves in order to live for others. And in so doing, Lord Jesus, would you change us, change our church, change our communities, change our world again. In Jesus' name, amen.